Hi, welcome to our podcast for MCDB 458, Daddy's Drinking Problem and Me. In this podcast, we have Sharon, Becca, and Carter, three freshmen at the University of Michigan, who will be discussing the inheritance from father to son of the epigenetic changes induced by alcohol. Let's join our favorite freshmen now at their dorm pregame. Jello Beats, holla at me! Y'all, I can't wait to hit the parties tonight. I've been looking forward to my first night out in college for a long time now. What drinking games will you play in the pregame tonight? Same. I'm a little nervous. I didn't drink much in high school, but I'm really excited to meet new friends and explore new places. Yeah, I'm with Becca on this one. I can't wait to explore Ann Arbor with new friends, but I will say that I am a little nervous. Whenever you get nervous tonight, just take a shot. Vodka cranberry is my favorite. It'll calm all the nerves. All right. I suppose I can try that. 911, what's your emergency? I need help! Please, please help me! They are sending out emergency services to your location. I'll stay on the phone with you until they get there. Becca, I'm really concerned for Carter. I know he's going to be okay, but his drinking really scared me last night. Yeah, same. I didn't know a person could drink that much. He just kept taking shots left and right. Well, here's why I'm concerned. Last night, one of his friends told me that his dad died of alcoholism, so I'm, like, really afraid that that might be the path that Carter's going to take. Oh, my God. You know who that reminds me of? Samuel L. Jackson. His dad died of alcoholism, and then Samuel L. Jackson suffered with alcoholism for the longest time. Oh, I didn't know that. He's the guy who fought the snakes on the plane, right? Yeah, he is. But the point is that he obviously was able to turn his life around because he's clearly still alive today, you know? You know what this reminds me of? What? So, in this class that I took in high school, we learned a lot about epigenetics and how that can play a role in how the disease of alcoholism is passed down from father to son. So I wonder if that's what happened with Samuel L. Jackson, and maybe even Carter. Oh yeah, I took a class like that too. We should talk to him tomorrow about it when he recovers. Yeah, that's a good idea. You guys, I am still recovering from two nights ago. I don't know if I can even touch my food. Yeah, Carter, we're a little concerned about you. Yeah, I was scared. I'm not going to lie. You are nonstop drinking. That cannot be healthy. No, it's fine, guys. I drink like this all the time. Okay, so that's actually what we want to talk to you about. What do you mean? So we're a little concerned about how much you drink, and honestly, the fact that you ended up in the hospital, like, that might have been a red flag. No, I'm telling you guys, it's fine. Well, Becca and I kind of wanted to talk to you about something that might put things in perspective for you. Okay, let's hear it. So, Sharon heard last night that your dad was an alcoholic, and we want to talk to you about something that we both learned in high school on epigenetics. Epigenetics? What's that? The whole idea is that the thing that makes you who you are isn't completely controlled by what is directly passed down to you from your parents. Yeah, essentially, your genetic makeup is influenced not only by genes themselves, but also by the environment. What does that all even mean? Okay, so basically, the chance that you become an alcoholic is not only influenced by the fact that your dad was one, but also by your surrounding environment. Take last night, for example. The availability of alcohol was really high, so you were more likely to drink. Okay, that makes sense. I understand the whole genetic makeup stuff, 
but I still don't understand what epigenetics is. Okay, so imagine you're writing your final paper for English 125. Yeah, and usually what's the format of those papers? I want to say like 12.5 times New Roman in MLA format, right? Sure. Okay, so imagine you wrote a five-page paper, and then you started to change the font styles. What could you do? I guess I could bold words, italicize, change the font, color, and size, just stuff like that. Correct. So think about your entire genetic makeup being that five-page paper with the ability to add all those edits to the pre-existing sentences. Imagine those edits as epigenetic changes. You're not necessarily changing the contents of the paper, right? Every word that you typed out is all the same, except now it just looks different. Okay, that makes sense. But what does this have to do with alcoholism? So, focusing on alcoholism, we're going to focus on only one of these edits. Okay, which one? Becca, would you say methylation is probably closest to changing the font color from black to white? Yeah, I think that's probably the most representative one. Hang on, hang on. What is methylation? Imagine you have your paper and change certain words that from color black to white. Can you see the word now that it's white? No. Okay, but does that mean that the word isn't there anymore? No, it's still there. Right. So if we were to put it up against a black background, the word would still be there. But on the original white background, the, world, the word is illegible. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So that's kind of what methylation is in the context of alcoholism. Methylation essentially takes words in a sentence or even a whole essay and silences certain words by making them illegible. Okay, I got that. So on Microsoft Word, what would you have to do to change the color from black to white? Becca, I'm not dumb. You highlight the word and you use the tool on the toolbar to switch the color from black to white. Right. There's still a tool that does that. You still have to manually change it. Sure. I suppose you can say that. All right. So imagine that and put it in the context of your body. There are things in your body called DNA methyltransferases that act as those tools to turn the word from black to white. Okay. So what? What is the importance of this tool? So in this class in high school, I came across a study that chronic alcoholics had a lower amount of this tool in their bodies. Yeah, and if you have a lower amount of this tool in your body, that limits the amount of changes that you can make in your body. So imagine the tool to change the font color from black to white was only available half of the time that you were writing your paper. You wouldn't be able to do it as much, right? This translates to an alcoholic's ability to function properly at times. Okay, that concept makes sense to me. Does alcohol work in any other ways aside from hindering the user to function? Actually, yeah. In that same study, it talked about the importance of alcohol and having more alcohol in your blood. Oh, so you're talking about like, your BAC? Yeah, exactly. And think about having a higher BAC as having more available font colors that you're able to use. And these additional font colors, aside from just white, gives more ways in which you can try to silence a word against that white background. Yeah, I would imagine that yellow or even gray would be tough to read against a white background. Exactly. So having a higher BAC from being an alcoholic means that now you have more ways to try and make a word illegible against its background. And making words illegible corresponds back to this methylation concept you referred to earlier, correct? Exactly. You seem to be understanding this pretty well. So now I have a question for you guys. What if these changes are something irrelevant and don't change the meaning of a sentence? 
Yeah, so that is the case sometimes. Like, imagine making words like the and and white, or even certain adjectives. You can still read the sentence without those words, and it would make sense. That's exactly the point I was trying to make. You're so right. Sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes in your body, the changes that the molecular tools make are to areas in your genes that don't really matter or create any sort of physical change. Yeah, but sometimes these changes are made in really important areas of your genes where it completely affects the characteristics of a person. For example, like becoming an alcoholic. Are these important areas of your genes found at random? Where are they located? So these susceptible areas to change are referred to as promoter regions, and they usually appear before the sequence of a DNA and are really important to expressing those genes. You're familiar with opioids, like painkillers, right? Yeah, I know what those are. I was prescribed some of those after surgery on my knee. Well, just like those drugs function in the body to ease the pain, there are already transmitters in your body that act as these same areas. There are two types of natural transporters in the body, joyful and unpleasant ones. The unpleasant ones are linked to dependence and continued alcohol seeking. Yeah, so when you drink alcohol, it triggers these unpleasant transmitters to make the crucial font changes to the areas we refer to as the promoters in your body. Whoa, okay. That makes sense. It seems like alcohol has a lot of effects on a person's body. This whole conversation is really making my headache worse. Let me grab a quick sip of water. Alright, I'm back. Wait, you guys mentioned my dad earlier. Why does he matter in all this? I don't understand the connection. So, this is the tricky part. You know about the infamous contrast of nature versus nurture, right? Yes. Nature is whatever is passed down to you, and nurture is the effects of your environment you're raised in. More or less, yeah. So, let's say your mom was the one that was the alcoholic. When you were in her uterus and she drank alcohol, you would agree that it would definitely have an effect on you? Yes. Isn't that called fetal alcohol syndrome or something along those lines? Yeah, it is. So basically with fetal alcohol syndrome, that happens because when a baby is still in the mother's uterus and she starts drinking alcohol, she creates a really toxic environment in her uterus for the baby to develop in. Okay, that makes sense to me. So that would be like the nature aspect of it all. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I still don't get how my dad is involved in this. Alright, so now we can talk about the nurture aspect, and this is what brings your dad into the picture. Since your dad was the one that was exposed to the constant stimulants of alcohol, his consumption led to the changes in his ability to function. Okay, this also makes sense to me. I witnessed some of those circumstances firsthand. Alright, so with that in mind, do you recall when we talked about all of those different edits that you could potentially make to your English paper? Yeah, I remember them all. So that's basically what alcohol did to the genes that are in your dad's sperm. It created all those changes without changing the context of the genes. Okay, I'm on the same page as you. So when you were conceived, the changes that were in the sperm followed and were passed down to you from your dad. Oh, that makes sense. So that's nurture. Yeah, exactly. All right, I think I get it. But how are all these changes passed down to me? I feel like that's almost impossible. You're right in a way. So when the changes in your dad's sperm are passed down to you, sometimes some of those changes are erased. Yeah, so think about it this way. When his changes get passed down to you, your body starts attacking some of these changes and reverses them. How so? 
Basically, think about it as getting the first edition of the paper, and you look at it, and then you start changing some of the words in the white back to the black. Okay, so I'm making some of my own changes to go back to normal? Yeah, but then there are certain words that are protected from whatever change you're trying to make to it. Right. So in the science world, they're referred to as imprinted genes. But for right now, we can talk about them as genes that are protected from any further change. So if your dad changed a word from black to white, you couldn't change those words back to black no matter what. Okay. But how is this relevant to all this? Well, so some of the changes that alcohol made in your dad's body is located in these important areas. So when these changes are passed down to you, you have no choice but to have them in your body as well. Okay, so my dad's drinking made changes in his sperm that are passed down to me, and some of those changes occurred in regions that essentially are protected from any changes that my body is trying to make? Yes, exactly. All right, wait, I think I'm going to get some water now, so I'll be right back. All right, what did you guys talk about while I was gone? So I was actually just telling Carter about this other study that I read in that class before. Yeah, she was telling me how it was a study that looked at a family with a healthy mom and an alcoholic daddy, which is exactly the case in my family. The study particularly focused on the effects of the children of those parents. Ooh, interesting. What did it say? Essentially, what happened was they looked at the rats, and the children that were born from the healthy mom and an alcoholic dad had symptoms similar to fetal alcohol syndrome, even though the mom never drank. Yeah, and you guys told me before that fetal alcohol syndrome was usually something the mom drank and created a really bad environment for the baby to grow up in. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Look at me teaching you science. Ha ha, Carter. Good one. So, did this child have, like, learning deficits or something? Yeah, basically. So, most of the children didn't even survive. And then the others that did survive had serious problems with their learning abilities, memory, attention, and stuff like that. You guys, do you think that's going to happen to me? I think you can definitely turn it around. Yeah, this is why we wanted to have this conversation with you, Carter, because it's really not too late. Yeah, Becca was telling me about Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh, the snakes on the plane guy. Haha, <laughs> yes, him. But basically, his dad died of alcoholism, and although Samuel L. Jackson suffered with it for a really long time, he was clearly able to turn his life around and, you know, fight some snakes on a plane. Okay, that makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, I mean, Carter, we're not saying you have to stop drinking completely, but it just scared us that you went to the hospital and the amount you drank the other night. Yeah, I agree with Becca. It's college, you should have fun, but definitely watch how much you're drinking. And just because your dad was an alcoholic doesn't necessarily mean that you will be. You just have a higher chance of it than, say, me or Becca, so I would just be careful. All right, guys, thanks for this talk. I really appreciate you guys caring about me. No problem, dude. We have four years to look ahead to. We want to make sure you're okay. I understand. So, what's next? You guys want to head to the movies or something? Yeah, I've been dying to see Black Panther. Oh my god. Michael B. Jordan's in that. Let's go.